so today we have Pastor Greg Hughes joining us, and he was actually the pastor for many years over at Malibu Presbyterian, and he has recently retired, and it's called Malibu Pacifica now? Pacific Church. So they've renamed themselves, much like us, and Pastor Greg has a special place in my heart. Uh, when I was an early Christian, I was going out to Malibu, and his sermons and the services out there really spoke to my heart and allowed me to really challenge myself and the ways of the world and what I was being called to do. So I was very excited when Jonathan told me he was coming today, and I'm sure he has a, a great message for us. So I'm going to say a prayer for him. I'll invite you up, Greg, and I'll say a prayer, and we'll let him speak to us. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for Greg and all of his wisdom and all the love that he's been willing to pour out for your people, Lord. I ask you to be with him today and bless his words and help him to speak into us so that we can flourish and be the people that you created us to be, so we can operate to your original design plan, Lord. So, Father, be with him use him and help us to have ears to listen and eyes to see today in the name of jesus i pray amen all right thanks shana it's great to be with you all this morning and um it's been a, a while since i was here i think i was here oh, a couple years ago uh, jonathan was sick and he asked me to come and i came and uh, I, I actually did a couple baptisms here in this service um so it's great to see you again um, and I, I loved worshiping with you. So Felipe, where's Felipe? He's got a beautiful voice. I love his voice and your band. Really, yeah, so you guys are great. I, I also like what you've done. So the last time I was here, you guys had pews and uh, you had some uh, other, a wall over here, something like that. So I really like what you've done. I mean, you've really done a lot here. So it looks beautiful and great. So really is an honor for me to be here. I love Jonathan. Jonathan's, uh, we've met often when I was pastoring. We'd meet for lunch and just chat about life and ministry and what's going on. So uh, it's really an honor for me to fill in for Jonathan as he's not able to be here today. Uh, and uh, as Shana said, you know, yeah, I was a pastor at uh, Malibu Pacific Church for almost 20 years, 19 plus years, and I recently retired. And um, yeah, so I retired. And I did it really because um, my kids were in their senior year, uh, going to be in their senior year of high school. And I had spent basically my whole, you know, my, their whole uh, childhood, you know, in ministry. And I wanted to be home for them uh, during their senior year, go to all their sporting events and all that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, the pandemic happened. I had no idea that that was going to take place. And <laughs> so, but it allowed me to be home and to be with them. And and I picked up a hobby. I, I, I have to confess, I've had a hobby for a long time. I, I uh, am a stock trader. I love to trade stocks. I've, any of you trade stocks? Any of you do some of that? You, you do some investing? Okay, so that's been my hobby, and that's what I've been doing for the, you know, for the last, what, year and a half. So, and, and, and I, I, I enjoy that, I, I have to confess. So, so I thought, you know, today, well, I, I would talk about some economics, so, uh, share some economics with you. You know, in economics, is a social science concerned with the production, consumption, and distribution of wealth. 
So I thought I would talk about that since that's kind of what I'm doing now. And, and uh, I really want to give you some um, investment advice, okay? There, I have to say, um, back in the 90s, that's pretty, basically when I started uh, investing, um, I almost bought, if some of you, might, if you've been investing for all, you might remember this, I almost bought Apple stock when it was $14. $14. Now, it is, I mean, it is up like, I don't know, you know, 15,000%. I mean, it's, if I had only bought, you know, back then, Apple stock at $14, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be set for life, right? If I'd only... If I only knew then what I know now, I would have invested differently. Would you agree? I mean, there are times, you know, when I dream about if I only had a time machine, I could go back in time, yeah, and then, you know, I could invest in Apple, I could invest in Microsoft, I could invest in Netflix, I could invest, you know, all these things. You go, wow, I just wish I knew then what I know now, I would have invested differently. So, so this morning, I want to give you some investment advice. And um, yes, I, I am going to talk about money, because yeah, when you talk about investing, you're talking about money. And I know sometimes when you talk about money, people are, are concerned and they get scared. But money is, a, is spiritual because it expresses, you know, our values, uh, our desires. It has uh, a spiritual importance in our life. And, I, and I'm not here, well, actually, Jonathan did tell me to talk about this topic, and he said, he gave me some specific names of people out here that I should be pointing at. So, actually, I'm kidding. Uh, Jonathan did not tell me to speak on this topic or anything. And, and if you feel like I am... I think the battery went dead. Now I'm fine. Okay. All right. So anyway, Jesus talked about money more than anything. Okay. So, so I want to talk about something that Jesus talked about. I want to give you some sounded investment advice. And, uh, so, and, and I want you to know something about yourself. This, this might not be, you know, I might be aware of this, but um, who are you? I want you to know that you are God's capital investment manager. That's who you are. I mean, that's what we all are. We, are. we are capital investment managers, and we have our names are on God's investment account, so to speak. I mean, that's the way to put it. I mean, we have control. God, God has given us access to his account. It's all his money. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. Is that right? You, you agree with that, right? I mean, that's what the psalm says. The earth is the Lord and everything in it the world and all who live in it. We, everything we have belongs to the Lord. 
I am God's capital investment manager. You are God's capital investment manager. God has given you access to his account. He wants you and me to spend and to invest our money according to his plan and his desires. The interesting thing is that God allows us to set our own salaries. God allows us to determine, you know, how much we keep ourselves. That, that, he's, he's gracious that way. We can kind of determine. But a good capital investment manager never claims ownership of the money, right? A good, if you have your own investment account, broker, or somebody who... Side again. All right, now I'll use this one. Sorry about that. So um, where was I? <laughs> oh, so, you know, uh, a, yeah, a, capital, a good capital investment manager is working, uh, if you have the, the money, they're working for you. They, they're not, you don't want somebody that's working for themselves. You don't want a self-interested capital investment manager. You, if you're investing money with a brokerage, you want them, you want them their fiduciary right is to be at, do what you want to do. That's the same it is with God. Okay, God has given us everything. Uh, we need to be aware of what he wants us to do with our money. You are God's capital investment advisor. God trusts us um, to write our own salaries. So I thought, you know, this morning, um, I want to look at Jesus' investment advice for us. All right. Um, how many are, I, I think I saw, saw your, your vision statement, something about Jesus followers, right? Isn't that, isn't something? Yeah, so kind of we're, we're, we're all Jesus followers, right? So I'm going to talk about Jesus investment advice, all right? This ought to be, this should be good. Okay, okay so Jesus gives us some investment advice, and what does Jesus have to say? Now, we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. So here's what Jesus says. And, and this is a popular verse you've probably heard before. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to notice a couple things here real quickly. I want you to notice that... Um, that we are all kind of born with this investment idea or desire. And Jesus is not faulting that desire to store up treasures. He's not saying don't store up treasures. He's just telling us where's the best place to store up treasures. He's giving us sound investment advice. He's not saying don't try to accumulate more. He's just saying if you do, here's where you should invest. Don't invest here on earth is a bad investment advice because earthly treasures, uh, moths destroy or, you know, they rust or a thief can break in and steal. Storing up treasures here on earth is a bad investment advice. Jesus is giving us good investment advice. It's not good to store up treasures here on earth. I remember the old uh, Jack Benny's joke. Uh, um, you remember the old comedian, actor? He said once, um, he talked about a thief came up to him once and said, your money or your life. 
and Jack Benny and those kind of stumbled by that. And the thief said, well, what is it? And he said, don't rush me. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You know, it's, I mean, uh, wow, this, you know, money, that's, uh, that sometimes seems like our life and where our life, life is so wrapped up in it. But the most, you know, you talk about the thief, what, you know, the ultimate thief is death. And you can't take any treasures with you from here. You can't. So Jesus is giving us good investment advice. I don't want you to get to heaven. I don't want to get to heaven and have that kind of Apple stock experience. Where you'd go, oh my gosh, if I only knew... Then, what I know now, I would have invested differently. Who wants to get to heaven and go, oh my gosh, I wish I had invested my money differently. I wish I had invested my life differently. I had no idea. Well, we did because Jesus gave us some sound investment advice right here. Jim Elliott, remember the famous missionary who went down to Ecuador and he was killed? He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott gave some sound investment advice, very much like what Jesus is giving here. Let's, uh, let's go a little further. Jesus goes on in this passage, and this is what he says next. He says, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now you might, I mean, Jesus is giving us sound investment advice. Now he's giving us an eye doctor kind of exam advice here. You know, if your eyes are dark, you know, how great is that darkness? Like, well, what is Jesus talking about here? It's really strange. He's talking about money. Now he's talking about eyes, and he's going to talk about money again. What is this verse about? Well, Luke, the other version of the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount adds what I have up there. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. What Jesus is saying here in this passage is that greed is an eye problem. Greed is an eye problem. We don't see it in ourselves. I can point it out in everyone else. <laughs> I know who all the greedy people are. I just have to look around. And I know. But it is an eye problem because our eyes are dark. We don't see it in ourselves. Beware, Jesus says. Beware. You know, Jesus doesn't have to say, beware if you're committing adultery. That's not an eye problem. You know it. If you're sleeping with not your wife or your husband, you know it. No one ever goes, oh, you're not my wife. Oh, you're not my, you know it. It's obvious. But Jesus has to say, beware, because we don't see it. We don't see the greed in ourselves. Greed hides itself. Greed blinds us. You know, I was a pastor for over 30 years. And in my 30 years of ministry, I had people come and confess all kinds of sin. Adultery, 
tax evasion, all kind of stuff. I was a pastor in Malibu. Never once did I have someone come and confess to me their sin of greed. Why? It's because sin, uh, greed blinds us. It blinds us to ourselves. Here's what, what happens with greed. I, I don't have to think about greed because I just have to imagine one other person. One other person who lives more lavishly than me. And I'm off the hook. Jesus oh, is not talking about me. He's talking about that guy. I've seen his car. I've been to his house. I know he's talking about him. He can't be talking about me. I'm not that rich. He's talking about somebody else. And that's how Jesus says, beware. Beware of this. It blinds us. And greed has a power over us. And this is what Jesus is getting at. Greed has power over us. It has power. College students will go through college and they'll pick a job based on how much money they'll make. Hmm. Not based on, you know, whether they're going to enjoy this job or this is a good fit for them or whatever. They'll take a job or people will look for a job because they, it will give them a certain amount of money. It will give them a certain amount of status. Money has power over us and it influences us to do things that we wouldn't naturally or we wouldn't rightly do. Agreed? I'm worried about my son, you know, who's, who's going to go to college, and, and I'm thinking, you know, what job is he going to get? I, oh, I hope he gets a job that's going to make enough money. Why am I worried about that? It's, it's greed. Have you ever, have you ever looked at, uh, it influences how people get married, who they'll marry. Have you ever looked at somebody on TV, and you'll see some 80-year-old, old guy who looks near death married to some 28 year old you're going what in the world is she thinking marrying that that wrinkled raisin why I mean she's beautiful she's married to a wrinkled raisin then you realize oh he's a billionaire I know why she married him money greed has power and influence over us and Jesus says be careful it can darken your eye. And it stops me from asking critical questions. When I go to buy something, I don't think, do I really need this? Why, why am I buying this? Is this for status? That's the other thing that money gives us. It gives us kind of this sense of status. Look at me. I can feel better. A sense of significance the danger of greed and wealth. We don't want to ask those tough questions. Why am I buying this? Why do I have this? How am I spending my money? Who am I investing for? So Jesus goes on and he says this next. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot serve God and money. You serve either one or the other. And I know some of the times, you know, if you talk with your, you know, you hear all this time, if you're investing in the market, you'll hear diversify. You know, I don't want to be diversified in my portfolio. I want to have some, I want to have some Apple stock. I want to have some Microsoft. I want to have some ExxonMobil. I want to have some of this. I want to have some of that Netflix. And I, you know, I want to be diversified. You, Jesus is saying you cannot diversify your portfolio with heaven and earth. You don't diversify your portfolio with good stocks and bad stocks. You don't do that. You only want to, if you diversify with good stocks. And Jesus is saying investing here on earth is bad, bad. And he says you cannot store up treasures for yourself here on earth. How do you know that you serve God and not money? How do you feel about rich people? Do you look down on them? Then money has power over you. Greed is a part of you. If you look at someone who's poorer than you and you look down on them, no, they're nothing. Greed has power over you. Because you're, you're, you're setting yourself up as, oh, I'm better than that person and I'm better than this person. You're using money as your idea of significance in life. I am significant because of my 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 bank account or my social status because of the money I have that gives me superiority over a rich person over a poor person if you're using money to establish your significance you have a greed problem if you use money as a sense of security this is my security in life you know uh, then you have a greed problem if your security is in your, your retirement account, your bank account, if that's your sense of security, you have a greed problem. And that is what Jesus is addressing here. And he's giving us some sound investment advice. Oh, I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Don't let that happen when you get to heaven. Now, here are some things how people how they invest. They invest kind of, um, you know, how, how people give. How do they give? A lot of giving is based on fearonomics, okay? It's based on fear. You know, uh, they'll, they might give to the church if their portfolio is going up, if their salaries are going up. Uh, then they'll give to the church. They'll give based on their fear. That's how some people give. Some people give... Um, Based on hordonomics, they kind of think, this is mine. This is my stuff. This is my money. I, I give according to what is mine. And they want to hoard it all for themselves, try to keep as much as they can. I remember a while ago, I was, uh, I, I, I sometimes, my wife doesn't like this about me, but I, I like Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> So sometimes I'll have to sneak out and I'll go and get some Kentucky Fried Chicken for lunch or something like that. So I sneak out and I get some, 
And the other day, I, I, you know, I, was, I went to a Kentucky Fried Chicken, and there was a homeless guy outside asking for some money, and I didn't, didn't want to give him any money. And I went in and kind of got my, my stuff, and then I ate it inside, and then I, and then I came out. And I didn't give this homeless guy anything. And then a, a, an African-American guy went in, and he got some stuff. And then he came out, and he gave this guy some mashed potatoes. And I thought to myself, Greg, why didn't you give this guy some food? Why were you so, you're a hoarding Amish. This is mine. Well, I want to talk about real briefly here, and I know I'm probably going overtime, but we all need it, okay? We need some overtime here, I, I think. So graceonomics, this is another way of thinking about how we give, and this is what the, uh, the Apostle Paul says about grace. He says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. for every church is that every church would be known for his excellence in giving oh we're the tremendously giving church excellence in giving see that you are excellent in your giving strive to be excellent why should you strive to be excellent in your giving because when you're excellent in giving you become more like god you are actually more like god because god is a giving god for god so loved that he gave his son when you give you are more like god because god is a giving god and also, giving is the only antidote for greed. Giving is the only antidote for greed. It's how you get rid of this greed problem that we have. So let me talk about this real quickly. The focus of Graceonomics, the, the, the motivating factor in our giving, in Graceonomics, because we have been given so much, we then want to respond gracefully. God has given us everything. Everything we have is a gift. We want to be not ordered or, or focused or motivated on fear or on hoarding, but on grace. We've been given grace, so we want to give grace. So the focus on grace, the motivating factor on graceonomics is on the past. What has God given you? We are to give our first fruits, right? Our giving is based on, hey, God has given us something. What are we to give now? So we give based on our first fruits. What has the Lord given to you? Here's what uh, Deuteronomy says. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Give in a way that God has blessed you. Has God blessed you abundantly? Then our giving ought to be abundant. It's in proportion to what we have already given. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You cannot say, oh, I worked for this, I did this. God gives you the ability to make wealth. It's a gift that God has given you. When you go to a fancy restaurant, you know, you go to a nice restaurant, and what do you, what do, you do? At the, you get a nice meal, what do you do? You always think about, well, what should I tip, right? What should I tip? Imagine going to a nice fancy restaurant, and you give no tip. What is the... What is the the waiter think of you. you think, what a snob that person is. What gave me a low tip? They're so ungrateful. And is that how we treat God? Yeah. 
you give a waiter more of a tip than you do God? Who's giving you better service? How is that? Somebody said, well, I did all the work. No, you didn't. God gives you the ability to get the work, right? We just read that. So the focus of grace, anomics, is on the past. It is also focused on the present. What can you give cheerfully to? Scripture says, you know, to give cheerfully. What can you give cheerfully to? There are a lot of things that I cannot give cheerfully to. Here's, you know, Paul says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What can you give cheerfully? There are a lot of things I can't give cheerfully to. I have never, I have to confess, in my tax return, I have never given to the presidential re-election fund. I've never done that. You know, I can't, I, you know, no matter what, I haven't given to that. I, I have a hard time giving you know, money to a kid who wants to go to Hawaii. He's trying to sell things. You know, I, can you help me get to Hawaii? I'm going in this. No, I, 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 can I help for something else, but maybe not to get to Hawaii. I'll help for something else, but not that, right? What can you give cheerfully to? Okay, here's another factor. It is also, Grace Anomics is also focused on the promises of God. This is, this is wonderful to know is that we'll always be wealthy enough to give. This is God, one part of God's promise to you is that you will always have enough money to give. Whether you're going to be greedy with that or gracious with that, that's the question. But here's what Paul says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will abound more in good works when you can give freely, not sparingly. Now, remember, this is not a story about, oh, this is, a, this is I'm not saying this because this is a prosperity project for you. Here's how you become rich, by giving more and more. I'm not saying that. But I am saying if you give more, you can store up in heaven. But I'm not saying that this is how you amass more wealth on earth by giving more. That's not what Paul is saying here. If, when you look at this story, you should remember the little boy who gave his, his loaves and his fish, right? I mean, he could have operated out of fear-onomics or hoard-onomics and said, when, when, you know, does anyone here have food? And the little boy, he says, well, I've got some fish and I have some loaves. He could have operated a fear and said, if I give this away, I'm not going to have anything for myself or I'm not going to have anything for my family. He could have had hordonomics as his occupying, his motivating factor in his giving. And he could have said, this is mine. It belongs to me. I'm not going to give it away. But what did he do? He gave it away. He gave away his, his little loaves and his fishes. And God multiplied so that every one of the, of the 5,000 people was fed, and the boy was fed himself. He did not starve that day. You will always have enough money to give. It's a matter of how we invest, good investment advice. Another of the promises of God is that we can store up treasures in heaven. 
This is great news. I'm reminded of the story of that old miser who, uh, who was dying of cancer, and on his deathbed, he invited a pastor and a doctor and a lawyer. And he said, uh, here, I, I'm, here's $100,000. I'm putting this envelope. When I die, I would please ask that you throw this envelope into my grave so that I can take it with me. And the three friends said, yeah, okay, I'll, we'll do that. We'll do just as you wish. We'll throw the $100,000 in cash into your casket, and, and you can take it with you. So they did that. They all, you know, the three, the pastor, the doctor, the lawyer were there, and they threw in the envelope into the casket, and he was buried. And a few months later, you know, the three got together to reminisce, and the pastor said, well, you know, I, I have to confess, I, I actually only threw in $90,000 because uh, the church needed the other 10000 So in my envelope, I just threw in $90,000. So I, you know, he can't really do anything. And the, and, and the doctor said, well, uh, I, I got to confess, I, I only threw in 80000 because I, I knew of a patient that needed that money for some surgery and so on. So I actually only threw in 80000 and the lawyer just said, I'm so disgusted with you guys. You guys didn't do what the guy asked to do. I want you to know, no, I wrote a personal check for the full amount and put it in the casket. <laughs> you know, he, he can't cash that in the grave. This, you know, he can't do anything with it. You can't take it with you. This is, you know, this, that you can store up treasures in heaven is wonderful news. When you give to the river or the valley of the church, you are storing up treasures in heaven. Do you understand that? Do you know that people will line up to, at a gas station to buy a lotto ticket where their chances of winning are virtually nil? You know the lottery ticket? You know, people who invest in that, give to that. It's really... I, it's a tax. I, I don't mean to offend, but it's a tax on dumb people. It's terrible investment advice. Terrible. Shouldn't do it. Jesus is giving us, do not starve yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust steal when thieves break in, or where moth and rust destroy and thieves break and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust store or thieves cannot break and steal. He's giving a sound investment advice and when you give to this church, you are storing up treasures in heaven. Friends, we're going to take an offering in a moment and there should be a line. I, there, we should be saying, oh, hooray! Not like, oh no, offering is coming. I, oh no, <laughs> We ought to be saying, oh, yes, my chance. This is awesome. We, when the offering comes, we ought to be standing up, giving them an ovation. This is the best news of the day. You now know what you will know in the future. Investing in earth is a bad idea. Investing in heaven is worth it. You Jesus is giving you sound investment advice. We ought to be standing up cheering as the offering comes forward. Woohoo! Yes! I have a chance to store up treasures in heaven.
Kevin, this is awesome. Thank you, God, for giving me sound investment advice. I didn't know this before. This is awesome. This is incredible. The final factor, say this quickly, is also in prayer. Graceonomics, based on the past, the present, on the promises of God, and it's also based on prayer. What would God have me give? Let's pray. And um, let's thank God. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the gracious gifts you have given us. We don't deserve any of it. You have given us the ability to make wealth, and you give us the ability to write our own checks. We are your capital investment managers. God, I ask you to speak to us. Give us courage to give generously, to give graciously. To really put your words and to trust your words, your sound investment advice. Speak to us, Lord, on, on how we're to give. God, forgive us of our, our blindness to our own greed, my own blindness. God, forgive me. Help me to be gracious, abundantly so, just as you are abundant in your giving to us. Thank you, God, for what you've done and your sound investment advice. We pray all this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.